When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the shores of Lake Erie, April is pretty chilly, but people from Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and New York still come out and brave the waters for an activity that's about as old as civilization, fishing. And this type of fishing is not just for fun, actually. Certainly not at this lake. The folks who turn up at Lake Erie are often here to compete. The big lake, 200 and some miles long, stretches from, you know, the Michigan shoreline all the way up to Buffalo, uh, New York. That's Matt Markey, the outdoors editor for the Toledo Blade. He's a fisherman himself and has been writing about this area for years. The fishermen at Lake Erie are here to catch a very specific fish. Not the regular old trout that me and my dad used to catch in the lake. Lake Erie is probably the greatest walleye fishery in the world. The walleye. Some anglers call it the holy grail of fish. They can be elusive with their irregular swimming patterns, which means they're a lot harder to find, but much more exciting to catch. Walleye fishing is a very complicated, um, complex technical game because you're dealing with fish that will sometimes be on the bottom, fish that might be suspended in 20 feet deep in 40 feet of water. If you've never heard of a walleye before, picture this. It's two feet long with sharp teeth and spiny fins jutting up from the middle of its back. It's got a little bit of that Jurassic Park flavor. Also, they're kind of delicious. They've got this delicate flaky flesh and people like them fried in beer batter. If you've ever swiped around on Tinder in the Midwest, for better or for worse, you've probably seen at least one photo of a man holding a walleye up to the camera. Which makes sense, I guess, because walleye fishing is a popular sport there. On any given summer weekend, there might be as many as 10,000 boats out on Lake Erie walleye fishing. It's so popular that a competitive circuit has popped up and fishermen can win prize money. It's a very... uh serious, highly competitive uh, tournament fishing circuit on Lake Erie for walleye fishermen, and also incredibly lucrative. The smaller tournaments give out prizes of twenty dollars or $30,000. But if you win one of those big ones, then you can go home with a cool 175000 bucks. All those tournaments can really add up. If you're the winner and you catch the largest walleye in this six-week-long fall tournament you could stand to earn close to $400,000. $400,000. Just from fishing? Hold on, let me go get my rod. And you got to understand, competitive walleye fishing is a difficult and expensive activity. Most professional competitors have a boat loaded up with thousands of dollars of electronics. You've got the latest fish finders with water temperature gauges and depth indicators that show the fish in detail, and dozens, if not hundreds, of lures. 
And people spend tens of thousands of dollars on the boat alone. It's a huge investment. So it's pretty common for fishermen to team up and split the prize money, which is something Chase Kaminsky and Jacob Runyon did in the spring of 2021. These two individuals had been on the periphery of the competitive walleye fishing circuit here on Lake Erie for a couple years. Jacob had tried to partner with a few people before, but it hadn't gotten him anywhere. He desperately wanted to get into the upper echelons of competitive fishing. Or, Jacob, you can be honest, you probably just wanted to win some of those large cash prizes. You and everybody else, bro. You and everybody else. Now, Chase had invested in a state-of-the-art boat and all the latest technology. And now he was looking for a partner. When Jacob heard that Chase was open to teaming up, he reached out. This was the kind of upgrade Jacob had been looking for. They got together about a year and a half or two years ago and started to fish as a team and then made what I would characterize as a fairly meteoric rise up the ranks. They sort of complemented each other. Chase had the nice boat and the latest fishing equipment, while Jacob, with his experience and knack for finding fish, became the team strategist. Once they started working together, something just seemed to click. Almost immediately, they started winning. Big. They were soon top anglers in the area. They won, you know, several tournaments last summer, summer of 21. Which brings us back to that chilly April, one day in 2022, when fishermen gathered along the shores of Lake Erie for the first tournament of the season, the Rossford Walleye Roundup. Jacob and Chase were ready. They had spent three days before the tournament scouting their spot. They looked for clear waters and tested different kinds of bait to see what might work best with the fish in the area. By the time the competition came around, they knew where the fish were and what kind of lures they liked. Jacob felt pretty confident that their hard work would pay off. It's not an easy fishing game to learn. In order to win, they knew they needed to catch some big fish, at least six or seven pounds each. The tournament lasted two days, and at the end of each day, competitors would bring five catches to the local bass pro shop to be weighed by tournament officials. And then those five fish are weighed collectively, and then that's their score for that particular day. And then obviously after the two days, whoever has the highest weight total would be the winner. It's all done by weight. Length is only used as a tiebreaker. The top score after two days was 64.84 pounds. This is what everyone had to beat. Jacob and Chase were nervous. Jacob told the Toledo Blade he thought their day's catch wasn't going to be big enough to put them over the top. But when their fish was on the scale, it came in way higher than he expected. 68.29 pounds. Three pounds heavier than anyone else. They won. As part of the competition, the fishermen would all donate their catches to the local food bank. And I've interviewed the people at the food banks and they said this is a gift from God because we get plenty of white bread and peanut butter and macaroni and cheese, but nobody gives us good, lean protein. So it's just a, a gesture that these fishermen take. And while everyone else was handing over their fish to the food bank, Jake and Chase threw theirs in the back of their truck and left. I guess the $10,000 in cash wasn't enough of a prize. They wanted to take home the fish too. When somebody 
goes from way back in the pack, like 50th or 60th place, to all of a sudden winning tournaments or being right there at the top, it might raise uh, an eyebrow here and there. These guys had just kicked off another hot streak. So, of course, people did what they always do. They started talking. You can be the best golfer in the world. You're not going to win every tournament. You can be the best pitcher in the world. You're not going to win every baseball game. It doesn't happen that way. And with fishing, it happens even less because there are so many more variables that are out of your control. Veteran fishermen who have been out on Lake Erie for 30 or 40 years haven't taken home prizes consecutively like these two have. It just doesn't usually happen this way. You can have the, the greatest equipment, the best boat, and all the education and skill that you can muster. And if the weather doesn't cooperate, if the water temperature isn't right, if the bait fish aren't there, and if the fish themselves aren't feeding at that particular moment, none of that's going to matter. And so for these guys to win three tournaments in a row this past summer was has never been done before. For a lot of people, it was unbelievable and impossible. In the unpredictable sport of fishing, you truly don't know what you're going to catch. But Jacob and Chase somehow won again and again. But how? I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat, the podcast where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? In this week's episode, a fishing scandal so heavy it could sink a boat. By the end of the 2022 season, the duo had roped in an estimated $400,000 in prizes. And their star profile started gaining them a lot of attention. Before he deleted his social media accounts, Jacob had racked up 46,000 Instagram followers, and the duo were sometimes interviewed by local press before big tournaments. We won Rossford, and we've won three loot tournaments in a row, Lorraine, Ashtabula, and Geneva. So we won the championship last year. I don't want to sound arrogant, cocky, but I am confident that we should do well in this championship also because it's just what we do. You know what I'm saying, Jacob? It's just what they do. And given everything Matt says about how unpredictable the sport is, seems like Jake is talking mighty big. But uh, I expect to win. So do you feel any pressure on defending your title this year? Uh, I feel the pressure for team of the year, I'd say. I know Chase does too. You see, fishing is a small, close-knit community. All these guys know each other pretty well. Matt says there's a lot of respect, but there also can be some resentment and jealousy. Fishmen by nature are chronic complainers. So it's the weather, it's the wrong bait, there was something you know, wrong with my reel, the boat motor didn't work right. And in other cases, well, somebody else beat me, then they must have been cheating or whatever. But it was mostly just talk. The Lake Erie walleye community goes out of its way to help each other and the larger community. They do donation drives for food pantries, run workshops teaching kids how to fish, and raise funds for each other if there's an emergency. Everybody knows each other, and to a degree, they look out for each other. There's a lot of trust there, which is important, because to a certain degree, 
Competitive walleye fishing has always relied on the honor system. Now, there are no observers or watchers, you know, anybody on these boats other than the two fishermen that comprise that particular team. There have been some reports of cheating, like people catching fish ahead of the competition and then hiding a pet carrier full of those fish somewhere on the lake. People have dropped chunks of ice into a fish's gullet right before the weigh-in, hoping that it'll add some pounds before the evidence melts. And then there's the legend of the fisherman who supposedly risked poisoning himself in order to bring the weight of his fish up with the help of one element. Slip some mercury down the, the mouth of this fish and into its belly. Mercury, ice, all this kind of cheating. How do you catch it? Well, it's really not practical to watch every move a fisherman makes while out on the water for days at a time. So instead, tournament officials set up safeguards where they can. They weigh all the catches themselves. They can make people take vocal stress tests immediately after events. They inspect equipment and can go through your cell phone. They even have polygraph tests administered by professionals trained to detect lies. The polygraphs cover all kinds of things to try to get a baseline. The fishermen's knowledge of the rules, the details of their day, how they made the catch. Jesus, all this over some fish? But with so much money involved, I mean, that pot of gold, I think, is what has made this, in my mind, a little bit warped or distorted because it has people taking unnecessary risks. And some people thought that there were clues that Jacob and Chase might be taking some unnecessary risks. Folks have been gossiping about that win at the Rossford tournament. Remember how they didn't donate their fish to the food pantry? That stuck out as pretty suspicious to other competitors. And I heard, again, allegedly from a number of people that said the reason they didn't donate them is they suspected that those fish were caught earlier and then kept in a live well on the boat and then entered in the tournament because, you know, they had significant weight to them. Now, there's no evidence to that. A lot of the fishermen, you know, more than, more than a few, called me or emailed me and said, hey, those fish were old. You see, the thing is, it can be challenging to prove definitively that someone has cheated. Like in the fall of 2021, Jacob and Chase each took a polygraph test. One failed and one passed, but polygraphs are notoriously unreliable. And while they got disqualified from that tournament, they were allowed to keep competing. And if you're another competitor who thinks someone is cheating, well, that gets even more complicated. In order to officially accuse someone, you got to pay a fee. Nobody was really willing to go on the record officially and make that charge because if you're in the tournament and you think somebody else has cheated or gone outside the rules, you have to pay $500 to file a official charge and then have that contested and so on. Nobody was willing to do that. And I also think that there was a certain hesitation that you don't want to be the one who's the whiner or the complainer or whatever, but those complaints were growing and growing and growing as this year progressed. Nobody really wants to be a snitch, but then I got to pay $500 to do it? That's pretty crazy. But all this gossip around cheating, is it just jealous fishermen being petty? Or were Jacob and Chase up to something much bigger? 
That's after the break. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared in Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. It's September 30th of 2022, the final days of the Lake Erie Walleye Trail, or Loot. Loot is a seven-event series that runs from spring to fall, and today was the championship tournament. The structure is that you you sign up or register for a tournament, and usually the entry fee is uh, $300 to $500 per boat. And each boat has two fishermen, and so these guys will uh, partner up with a, a certain individual and usually fish the whole season with the same person. Jacob and Chase had partnered up and were setting out again this morning. And at the tournament site, they will gather, you know, an hour or so before dawn. Usually the boats launch right at first light, and then they will fish out on the lake for usually six to eight hours and have to be back at a certain time and check in. By the end of the day, everyone has come back to shore and tournament director Jason Fisher started calling competitors up on stage to weigh the day's catches. It's pretty laid back. There's a cookout and the competitors are all milling around chatting in their baseball caps and Oakley sunglasses. One of the last boats to get called up belonged to none other than boat number 12. We got Chase Kaminsky, Jake Runyon. The, the tournament director fish. starts weighing the fish in a crate and announces to the guys, I got to tell you, you got to beat 16 some pounds. The current lead had netted 28.18 pounds of fish. Jason and Chase only needed 16 pounds to catch up and win Team of the Year, as well as a cash prize. 33.91, 33.91, your new leaders, locking it in, Team of the Year, definitely Team of the Year champions. Round of applause. 33.91 pounds. Damn, 33. So Jacob and Chase step to the side of the stage and take pictures with their winning fish. And actually, the crowd didn't go wild. They were eerily quiet. The tournament director, like the crowd, decided that something wasn't right. So he steps off stage and he takes a closer look. We're gonna do a little tallying up. I think that's everybody. We'll double check the scores. Jacob and Chase's fish seemed too small to weigh that much. So when Jason picked up one of Chase and Jacob's walleyes, right away he felt an unusual hardness in its gut. He asked for a knife and cut into the fish. We got weights and fish! There we go! Oh! 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 
And so that's when the pandemonium and the somewhat mob-like atmosphere kind of exploded there. All hell breaks loose, and Jason pulls out a 12-ounce lead weight called a sinker from the belly of the fish and drops it into the crate. Every possible expletive was thrown, all sorts of colorful language. You can hear people laughing, and just about everyone pulled out their phone to capture the situation at play. Jacob stood silently in front of the fish, beat red with his hands in his pockets. Chase, on the other hand, was nowhere to be seen. The tournament director, he was still cutting into the fish. At the center of it all is Jason, dropping one egg-shaped sinker after another into the crate. And let's be honest, it ain't like fish just swimming around eating weights conveniently at the time of a fishing tournament. But then it gets weirder. Jason pulls a fillet of another fish out of its stomach. Filleted fish, look it. This is a fillet, yeah. A fillet fish. It's a walleye. Matt says he thinks the men were using the walleye flesh to either baffle the sound of the lead weights or add additional weight. This was so crude, the way they did it. And it was so over the top because they used so much weight that they registered a fish and there were long fish that were longer in the tournament, but apparently weighed a pound less or two pounds less because they use so much lead weight inside of these fish, which is very simple, very crude, and sloppy with that much. It just seemed, you know, so, so primitive a way to cheat. You know, I gotta say, when I'm thinking about these guys cheating, I thought the same thing. They were sloppy. I remember being in school and I may or may not have had the answers to a test or two, but I knew I wasn't the smartest kid in the room. So if I had the answer to the test, I'm not going to mark all of them correct because the teacher's going to know, well, Alzo, there's no way you could have scored 100 on the test. So I would just be a little slick. You know, it's reasonable that I could score an 82 or an 85. So that's what I would do. These guys, they decided to score 100 on every test knowing that everybody knows nobody can score 100 on every test like that. Just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. The crowd was pissed. Everybody was ready to pay $500 to snitch. Don't we need to file a police report? Jason, we got to file a police report. They were angry that they, you know, a number of them felt that they had been cheated out of money over the course of the last couple of years when these two individuals were either winning or finishing very near the top in tournaments. They've been doing this shit for years. You got a fucking boat. You got thousands of fucking dollars. You stole from everyone. And you got to put this in perspective. Most people who participate in these competitions have day jobs. And for them, that prize money could go a long way. So it's no surprise that they were outraged. As far as anyone could tell, Jacob and Chase stuffed their walleye with almost eight pounds of lead sinkers, as well as wild walleye fillets. What started as a mellow, family-friendly event was now on the edge of a full-blown brawl. 
Listen to me right now. Everybody listen to me right now. Jake, I want you to leave. I don't want anybody to touch these guys. I want you to leave. People were getting in Jacob's face. And Jason told everybody to calm down and step back, trying to defuse the situation. Chase, meanwhile, fled to the parking lot where he sat in his truck with the doors locked. Given the atmosphere, Jason knew he had to do something. He reported the incident to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. The department and the Pennsylvania County District Attorney opened an investigation. Exactly what they found? Well, that's after the break. Today, investigators seized a boat they say was used to cheat in a Lake Erie fishing tournament last month. Mercer County's district attorney and the Ohio Department of Natural Resources obtained the warrant. Jacob and Chase were indicted on felony charges of fraud, attempted grand theft, and possessing criminal tools. They even got a misdemeanor charge for unlawfully owning wild animals because the fish fillets they shoved into the walleye was a violation of Ohio wildlife laws. They've both pleaded not guilty and are awaiting trial. They could face up to 12 months in prison and $2,500 in fines. But beyond the criminal charges, they could also have their fishing licenses revoked indefinitely. This is a scarlet letter for a fisherman. The scandal has devastated the Lake Erie fishing community. A few days after the tournament, Jason Fisher, the tournament director, released a statement where he was clearly distraught about what had happened. On Friday, 9.30 of 2022, we witnessed one of the most disgusting, dishonest acts that the fishing world has ever seen in lifetime. There's always been stories about dishonesty and competition, but I personally have never seen anything quite like this. The individuals involved here appear to have put greed and ego in front of anything else, forever tainting our sport. Jason was right to be concerned because the incident had changed how a lot of people saw the tournaments. You know, for me, one of the saddest stories I heard was from a, a young fisherman in Cleveland whose teammate is his father. And his father's health isn't great. And he said, look, I'm going to have a lot of more tournaments in my life, a lot of chances to win and everything. But they cheated me out of a chance to win this one with my dad, kind of in the, you know, the 11th hour of his fishing career. After the scandal, one of the biggest sponsors, the Bass Pro Shops, pulled out of the Rossford Walleye Roundup. And without the sponsorship dollars, you can't have a tournament. So next year's Roundup was canceled. Remember all of the safeguards before? Well, some tournaments have added more. Both the Walleye Slam and the Walleye Fall Brawl have decided to use the same lie detector company so that the readings are consistent across tournaments. And, effective immediately, metal detectors. Yeah, officials will now be scanning every fish for metal weights. Just casts uh, just a dark cloud over everything in the, the walleye tournament fishing world here. And that's a shame because after covering these events for so many years and knowing a lot of these people, some of them, you know, very well, it's just unfortunate if uh, something like this happens and then everybody gets smeared by it. I remember going trick-or-treating as a kid, going house to house, and most people, you knock on the door, ring the doorbell, they open it up, give you one or two pieces of candy, then you're off to the next house. But every once in a while, you find a house or two with a big bowl 
of the most amazing candy. I'm talking about Blow Pops, Tootsie Roll Pops, full candy bar. And a sign that says, please take one. And of course, every kid is tempted to take two, three, four, empty that bucket into their bag. But in the back of your head, you know that's not the right thing to do because you do that one too many times and you're going to mess it up and nobody's ever going to put that bucket of great candy out for you to take one. And in that respect, like, you hope that people will act their best when nobody's watching. You want to expect that people will act honorably, but you also need to be prepared for the reality that they won't. And in this situation of fishing, if you're tempted by a claim and hundreds of thousands of dollars, it could be a fine line in the world of competition to create stakes, incentivizing people to play the game, challenge people to perform feats. How do you do it while still discouraging people from cheating? Does it come down to the rules? The reason this discovery was so devastating to this fishing community here was because it is an honor system. There weren't a ton of guardrails or oversight before. There was an expectation that everyone would behave honorably. In sacrificing that expectation and assuming that people will cheat, what do we lose? I mean, do we really want to expect that everyone will cheat? Or do we still want to believe it's possible to have some good old-fashioned competition where people will perform to their best of their ability without taking any shortcuts? Or taking more than one piece of candy? Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. I would say that insta-therapy becomes dangerous when sort of more fringe beliefs start to get the veneer of authority because of the way someone is representing themselves online. So I've seen you know, Instagram therapists talking about, oh, like medication is never the way to go. Or if people are doing things that make you feel bad, it's because they're toxic and the right thing to do is, you know, to get rid of negativity. And I think it's it's sort of scary to see. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slate. This episode was produced by Erica Gaida. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. <laughs>